Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. My name is Eric Wickland, and I'm the Technology and Innovation Editor for Health Leaders. In today's episode, we're talking to Tommy Ibrahim, President and CEO of the Bassett Healthcare Network. Founded more than a century ago, this five-hospital health system serves a wide swath of central New York, covering an area roughly the size of Connecticut. Bassett Health has been developing uh, a digital health innovation strategy to address the needs of a rural healthcare network. Hello, Dr. Ibrahim. Hi, Eric. It's great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Certainly. Thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, why don't we get right into this? Because this is a fascinating topic. Uh, Bassett has identified digital innovation as a key strategy to improve healthcare operations. How how do you feel that digital health can address the specific challenges of a rural healthcare? Uh, system. Yeah, Eric, it's a great question to kick off with. You know, we're really looking at digitization and innovation uh, as a mechanism to really disrupt ourselves. Um, you know, as you know, uh, particularly in rural healthcare environments, uh, it's been a, a challenging um, area uh, for hospitals and health systems to really navigate due to a number of complex issues, whether it be uh, around reimbursement, whether it be the populations that we're serving, uh, you know, uh, I think a, a prolonged history of underinvestment. Um, and as a result, we've gotten, you know, further and further behind in terms of really addressing the needs of the community and the regions that we serve. So we're really looking to, to partners and digital um, digital solutions to try to accelerate uh, progress to really you know expand our mission across this region um, and deliver in the areas of quality and safety and patient access and truly try to address the needs of the community in, in a much uh, bigger way. What kind of digital health uh, tools and platforms are you using? So we're really looking at a whole swath of potential solutions. You know, one of the things that we're really focused on is identifying those areas where we um, have significant gaps uh, and trying to, uh, you know, look forward to those solutions that could fill and address the particular needs and unique needs of our community. Uh, so, for example, as, as you can imagine, there's been a, a whole host of uh, headlines recently about workplace violence. Um, so we've uh, recently partnered with a company that brings in a really innovative solution uh, that creates a uh, immediate alert system uh, internally should a workplace issue or should a violence issue arise that allows us to really uh, accelerate our response rate and protect our caregivers and our people across the organization. But we're also looking at you know uh, solutions that could really help drive uh, access. Uh, we're looking at ways to bring care closer to home to patients. Uh, as you can imagine, in a rural environment particularly, there are a number of very unique social determinants that get in the way of patients being able to um, find the appropriate transportation mechanisms to get to their appointments or get to, uh, in to see uh, their caregivers. Uh, so we're really looking at what are those unique challenges, what are those social determinants across uh, our particular communities, and how do we find ways to fill those particular needs for the patients that we care for? Okay. Um, you mentioned a minute ago partnerships. How does your health system view partnerships with digital health startups and other vendors to improve care delivery or workflows? Uh, what are the what are the keys to a good provider or, or a good uh, relationship with with these vendors? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, at a, at a macro level, we're really big on partnerships and affiliations in general. Um, you know, we're really coming to the realization, and I think rural health systems uh, across the country are as well. And you know, uh, you know, coming to grips with the fact that we just can't 
be everything to everyone. So we have to rely on those, uh, you know, other experts in the field, other partners in the field who can really help fill those gaps that I mentioned, um, you know, really accelerate value um, and, uh, you know, align with our mission and our align with sort of the vision that we're creating for our communities and for our patients. So, um, you know, as a result, we're really looking to um, who are the best in class and best in breed uh, to help us do that. And one of the ways, you know, particularly in a digital space that we've done that is to uh, really create connections and strong alignment with venture capital, for example, across the uh, the state of New York, uh, you know, across uh, the Silicon Valley. Um, and, you know, I think one of the ways that we're really uh, capitalizing on uh, that uh, strategy is, you know, those venture capital firms um, have, uh, you know, done the due diligence in terms of identifying who those best in breed solutions potentially might be, what innovative solutions out there actually uh, are working, and how can we uh, sort of cut through the noise of the digital health explosion that's occurred over the past couple of years to identify those very unique solutions that are uh, really cut out to, to accelerate our progress. So that's been, a, I think, a wonderful way for us to to really accelerate our um, you know focus and our deployment. And um, you know, I've I've found that you know the keys to a really good partnership and a good relationship with either our venture capital partners or in these new uh, innovation solutions is to just you know create a uh, a solid set of expectations by which we get a, all sort of hold ourselves accountable to. Uh, you know, really making sure that there is uh, you know a thorough roadmap uh, around uh, the initiative or the deployment, um, and uh, you know, bi-directional uh, you know discussion and and conversation to ensure that we're all tracking towards the objectives and uh, the you know the likely win-win that we're all focused on. And do you look for and are there challenges in finding solutions that address the needs of a rural health system like yours? You know, of course there are. And, and if, again, if you look at the kind of the past couple of years and the tremendous amount of capital that's flowed into digital health and the innovation space and healthcare, uh, it's really, um, uh, as you could imagine, uh, just quite overwhelming. Uh, you know, there isn't a day that goes by where I don't, you know, potentially hear from one, two or three or more, uh, you know, new solutions that are out there. And, um, you know, as I referenced, it's really hard to understand what is best in class and, and how do we trim the noise uh, to focus on you know, kind of really what could be beneficial to to us. So, um, you know, I think the partnerships that we fostered have really helped us um, accelerate through that process. You know, what does a you as as we mentioned before, you're you're a rural health system, central New York, a large area to cover. Um, what do health systems like like that need to do to establish a good di digital health innovation strategy? You know, what are the keys to to getting everybody on board and and setting the right tone for innovation? Yeah, I think you know um, at the heart of it all is is really uh, having very clear objectives and understanding you know what the strategy uh, is at the macro level. So for us, you know, organizationally, we've already decided that innovation has to be uh, you know part of our roadmap over the next several years, and we're using innovation again as a mechanism to disrupt our ourselves. Um, you know, at the heart of that is creating a very solid governance structure that aligns our strategy. Uh, uh, to innovation or innovation to our strategy is probably the better way to say it. 
And, you know, understanding that we have very specific needs um, over the next five years, we're trying to identify those gaps, whether it be workforce related, whether it be accelerating progress around uh, safety or quality, whether it be enhancing the consumer experience or creating better access for our, for our patients across uh, the region that we serve, um, you know, all of those are strategic priorities for us. So uh, as we've uh, developed an internal governance structure to uh, really sift through the innovation opportunities that exist, we're really trying to align them to our overall three to five year strategy. And in doing so, we can distill the noise down even further into, you know, those two or three areas is that we really want to get deliberate about and really, um, you know, focused on uh, creating uh, worthwhile solutions for. You know, from there, after we've distilled the, the priorities down, uh, it is very important, I think, to take that governance structure and narrow it even further within the organization. And, and I think here is where it really becomes important to build a very solid stakeholder network um, that uh, can uh, not only uh, you know, help uh, with due diligence and evaluate these potential solutions. But as we, you know, decide to uh, move towards deployment and implementation, we really built, I think, a coalition of internal champions, whether they be physician champions or nursing champions or other operational leaders uh, who can really rally around the solutions and help disseminate and spread uh, the deployment. And this is where really, you know, change management becomes uh, extremely, extremely important. And you set the right tone at, at the front end of the process uh, in the fact that, you know, this is a, uh, a fully inclusive process that we've, uh, you know, allowed to unfold. Um, and uh, will uh, really help accelerate the uh, the deployment. Now, let's look forward a little bit. What are the cool new strategies or technologies you're seeing uh, on the horizon that you'd like to adopt? You know, what what are some you know some of the newer uh, technologies even, or, or something that you feel that you would like to see used in your health system in the future? Yeah, you know, we're really uh, focused on, um, you know, a number of different areas right now. I think at the very top of that list, um, as you could imagine, is is workforce. Um, so we're really, uh, you know, lasering in on how we address some of the workforce challenges of the future through uh, digital means, through other technologies, through automation um, and innovations along those lines. Um, you know, as you could imagine, every Thing um, that we're seeing uh, seems to indicate that the workforce dynamics are going to continue to deteriorate here over the next several years. Uh, you know, like everybody else, we're struggling with turnover. We're struggling with uh, our physicians and our nurses and our other caregivers across the organization taking on tasks that they traditionally wouldn't have to, to take on because of the support structures uh, around them sort of deteriorating. So we're not seeing our physicians or nurses really practice to the top of their license. Uh, we continue to see very high turnover and burnout rates. And there's a you know, supply and demand issue that's been created across the industry um, where the pipeline of candidates is, is seem, you know, seemingly drying up. And as a result, it's really creating a, a grim picture for uh, for healthcare, and yeah, you know, I think that the concerns are are somewhat universal across multiple other industries as well. So for us, if we can identify ways to really get technology embedded or implemented to to free up our 
um, you know, our caregivers to, to be able to really focus on those things that make the most difference or uh, to allow that, you know, that nurse or that physician to spend a few extra minutes with our patients. Uh, that's what we're really uh, trying to, to identify and sort of leverage those capabilities. You know, a good example of that is, you know, predictive, uh, uh, predictive modeling and machine learning models uh, and, and automation. And we're looking at ways that we can embed automation to you know, remove friction out of the system, really try to identify those repetitive tasks that might exist, whether it be, you know, within the electronic medical record, whether it be a documentation flow, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, an assessment that could potentially be uh, digitized or computerized. Those kinds of things can, you know, alleviate the burdens and stresses that we've put onto our people and help to uh, augment the existing staff that we have, relieve some of the burnout issues that we're all concerned about, and hopefully, um, you know, uh, help long term, uh, you know, redesign the workforce model. Uh, because I do believe that as we look uh, towards the future and with some of these grim statistics uh, that I've shared with you, um, you know, it's really going to be important that we not only focus on yes, creating a solid pipeline of new candidates, but how do we redesign the workflows and the infrastructure uh, to be able to do, uh, you know, uh, as much or more with less people in the future? Because I do believe that that's what's going to be necessary. Mm, that's interesting. You know, so many people believe that when we talk about telehealth, digital health, connected health, so many different phrases and terms for it, we're talking about improving clinical outcomes and care. And yet a, a lot of this technology is also is supposed to it should help the caregiver, help the care provider, uh, as you say, improving workflows so so that both parties are, are, are really represented in this in this innovation. Absolutely, absolutely. OK, one last question here now. Um, we, we've talked about the challenges of rural health. Are there other factors out there, and I'm talking policy, regulations, reimbursement issues that need that you feel need to be adjusted uh, to help rural healthcare systems like yours use digital health more freely? Yeah, I think we're starting to see some really good progress here. I'm certainly very encouraged by uh, some of the news and um, information coming out of DC uh, recently, particularly as it pertains to uh, rural health care. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to continue to start to see, um, you know, funding opportunities, um, you know, um, uh, available to us. Uh, I've been very encouraged by some of the broadband um, uh, funding that and grants that have uh, been offered across uh, rural demographics. Uh, you know, we're starting to really also see some <clears throat> adjustments to payment reform mechanisms uh, and other uh, policy uh, initiatives along those lines lines that give me a lot of hope. Uh, you know, I, we're always monitoring the situation with uh, reimbursement around telehealth and digital health coverage. Uh, you know, it's really hard to imagine that uh, with the uh, kind of the new capabilities coming online and, and the, uh, you know, diffuse adoption that we're seeing across the industry by consumers that, you know, reimbursement trends won't continue to follow in a very positive light <clears throat> in that regard. So uh, very encouraged in, in that fashion. And, um, you know, it's something that we're constantly monitoring. Great. Uh, broadband, uh, you mentioned that. I know it's a, a, a real issue in, in some rural and remote areas. Is it a, a, a problem for Bassett Healthcare? Um, certainly, the central New York region, um, you know, we've done some demographic studies around that, and uh, it appears anywhere between 17 to about 25% of our population uh, has challenges accessing broadband connectivity. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, there's no question that that's going to leave a large portion of 
our population, uh, you know, sort of out of the equation as we adopt some of these mechanisms and these new technologies. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the capabilities are, are out there and it's just a matter of getting the appropriate support and funding to build the infrastructure that we need to, to you know, shrink that number as best as we can. Uh, you know, interestingly, uh, as you can imagine, in rural health, we're largely dealing with a an older, uh, you know, sicker population. Uh, you know, potentially less digitally savvy. But I've been very surprised uh, by the the number of patients that um, you know within our direct demographic who have uh, you know. Uh, uh, readily access their uh, Epic MyChart capabilities um, and use that frequently to schedule uh, their, you know, their visits online, uh, to access online educational tools, um, and uh, to really tap into the, you know, the innovations and some of the digital capabilities that are out there. So uh, I think it's less of a problem that we might estimate, um, just based on some of the uh, the anecdotal uh, information that we've seen here uh, locally. Uh, but nevertheless, there's always still a need to address digital literacy and to really improve uh, access to information technology systems so that we could really, um, you know, magnify adoption here and be able to utilize these amazing tools at scale. So a lot more work, but I think encouraging signs uh, across the board. Great. Dr. Ibrahim, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.